Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio, featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 All-Star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex. Nerd. <laughs> Good job, nerd. Uh... Welcome to another episode of the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Oh, thanks, Tex. Thanks for joining me. And not only joining me is John, it's our nutrition crew. What's happening? God, Tex, that wasn't awkward or anything. Hey, Rob. Hey, Samantha. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having us. All right, good. I'm excited that we get to bring our nutrition crew on to answer some questions from the hotline. So as you know, we have this thing called the Power Athlete Hotline, which is always hot. And it's aligned directly to the Brain Trust. Sitting at this table and across the screen, we're Sam and Robert digging in. So if you have questions on nutrition, training, life, movies, um, obscure books and weird references, you can leave them at the Power Athlete Hotline, 929-464-464. 929-ing-ing. Zero. So if you got questions, we got answers. So guys, uh, we're going to wrap up a little nutrition today, and I think we have a question teed up. So why don't you we do. get it out there, and we'll just hammer it to pieces. This is from one of our training feeds. Mm. So pulled from the training feed into the Power Athlete Radio experience. We're bringing this to life. We're so 2021. We're just pulling things out, throwing things out there, moving things around. Well, we it's a third monkey athlete. Mm. So... We want to empower the whole world versus just this small team of austere training individuals that are without a gym. You know, we're coming up on over a year. I know. Uh, by, a, well, a by the time this episode drops, we will. Yeah, we'll have a year of third monkey under our under our uh, belts. I mean, what was it? It was the day before St. Patrick's Day. We launched third monkey mm-hmm. March 16th. And I know this because, you know, the lockdown, the Rona hit us and all the bars were shut down. As you know, um, for me personally, St. Patrick's Day is by far my biggest day of the year. So I am, uh, I tell these guys and they know I'm undefeated on St. Patrick's Day. I've gone out every, since I was 18 years old, I've been in a million squabbles, fights, pushes, bars, locations, and I'm basically batting a thousand. I've never been thrown out of a bar. I've never been taken down. And I've thrown many bouncers out by the backseat of their parents and locked the door on them on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> to the point where I've had people be like, you got to leave. And I'm like, no, you're leaving before me and I'll throw you got to leave. Yeah. And so yeah. so the joke is I'm, un, I'm undefeated on St. Patrick's Day. And other than last year where they closed the bars and we didn't have an opportunity to go out and cause a ruckus and mayhem. It was unfortunate, but we'll be back. We will be back. Austin market. John is we, coming for you. We, we have <laughs> we have how, how many bars have we been to that literally just closed the doors? Uh, two. Well, two. Fado. On Fifth Street here, we went to the final day. We opened it up. We were there at, I believe it was 8 a.m. Yeah, well, we're so when I played for the Eagles. Um, and Donkey, something Donkey. Yeah, uh, Darcy's, Darcy's Donkey. Darcy's Donkey. So uh, we had a deal when I was in Philly. There was a place called Finnegan's Wake down on, uh, God, I think, man, it was off of Broad. And I can't remember what street it was on. Uh, but they opened at 6 a.m. So people started lining up at 5 a.m to get their first drink before work. So we get there at like five 30 and we're like the 30th person. And there's like 31 people getting this tiny bar. So we somehow get into this place. And, uh, uh, I think it was me and Kenabi were there and, uh, you know, uh, assistant strength coach for the Eagles and needless to say by seven 15, um, nobody was getting out of there alive. 
and we had to get to workouts. It was awesome. So at that point, it became kind of the tradition that we would show up at the bar for first drink. So whatever Irish bar opened, whatever time was their first drink, we had to be there and we'd done it everywhere I've been. It's always been first drink. So call the Irish bar the night before and be like, what time you guys open? They're like, ah, six. We'll be, we'll see you at six o'clock or six o one. Sure enough, we're there. Mm-hmm. And then usually by seven, we're getting carried out or carrying other people out. Or just sprinting down the street and <laughs> pushing other people into barriers <sighs> on the road. Yeah. yeah well, I, Speaking of barriers, our question a dude has some questions to, um, I'm going to start that over, 452. Speaking of barriers, we're taking one down of our third monkey athlete who needs to dial in some issues that he's having. Are we ready, nutrition team? We are ready. Yep. Listen. Ready, ready. Cue, cue the question. All right, John. His name is John, too. Mm. Quick question. I started a cut two plus weeks ago, and my weight has been flat. My BMR is about... 3,150 and I'm eating 2,650 tracking in my fitness pal. I'm 40, 35, 25 carbohydrates, protein, fat. As I don't feel great uh, with too much dietary fat, am I just impatient? And if so, when should I start to pivot more food, more walking, for instance, etc. Goal is 212 pounds down to 195. I think uh, I'll let you guys jump in on this, but I think he's basically drastically overestimated his BMR, but I'll let you guys jump in. Yeah. And uh, that was my first question or response. And then I was like, Hey, we're just going to tackle this in a, in a podcast. Um, But it's really hard to have a BMR that high. (laughs) So Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just give you an example. When I was, Uh, I got my, uh, went in and actually got like the breathing done to test the BMR. Mm -hmm. Uh, when I was at my biggest of leanest, I was 308 pounds, 282 pounds of lean muscle. And my BMR was 4,300. So, uh, that was, yeah, yeah, 282 pounds of lean muscle. I was sub 10% body fat. I was like eight at 308 pounds in a bod pod. So we had, we had to get all this testing done. And, uh, I, I, dude, I was, <laughs> it was probably by far the biggest and lean like leanest I've ever been. Um, it was great. It was really hard cause I'd eat like 7,000 calories a day just to maintain weight. Yeah. But, uh, I was four, yeah, it was 42, 4,300 in the breath. And the guy was like, this is insane. This is the highest we'd seen, but like 282 pounds of lean muscle. So when I hear somebody who's like 210 at what, what did he say? 3,100. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. there's no fucking way. I, I'm from Jack Street. I got my BMR breath test, so I'm trying to dig that up. At that moment in time, I was 195, just doing simple field trunk stuff, and it was 2,000 something. But all yeah, I mean, on on average, and you know, all those BMR calculators are all over the place. But for most people, it's somewhere around 0.8 calories per pound of body weight. It hits them in their BMR. But at the end of the day, if for example your BMR is, let's say 2000, or you estimated at 2000 and you train into a deficit of let's say 500, right? So you're like, okay, I'm gonna eat 2000 calories. I'm going to track burn 500 calories in the workout. Uh, now over seven days, I should hit my 3,500 calories to lose one pound and you don't. Now all of a sudden you have to look and say, okay, 
was my BMR accurate? And I think that's where we talked about having a scale, being able to manage the amount, you know, just like having a scale is the same as important as having measuring uh, spoons and measuring cups to know how much you're eating. So, I mean, is that something pretty classic you guys see that people are just overestimating their BMR off of just some, you know, clandestine calculator that they found on, on the Google? Yeah. And that's kind of where Rob and I wanted to go with this conversation. Um, and it's just time and time again, we see people overestimating their activity. Um, you know, the workout can be really hard, but it's that, you know, 90 minutes in the gym, you're not doing that all day. You're sitting at your desk, typing on the computer, hanging out on zoom, watching Netflix. Um, your steps are at 3000 for the entire day, you know, so there's just a lot more. So even if the workout feels really challenging, you're probably not unfortunately burning as much as you think you are. Um, so then you overestimate what you need to eat. And even if you clean it up, you're really not going to see any change on the scale. So would, uh, would it make sense for somebody to like have some form of trackable? Like I wear a Garmin watch, um, just because I, I think it's interesting for me to not only track steps, but I also like to see, you know, the pulse ox and some of the other things. But what I, um, I throw on a chest strap when I work out so I can actually track my calories burned over the course of a day. Do you think that's something pretty valuable for people to see where it's like, Hey, I'm pretty consistent. Like I, I ran into this with the whoop band and part of the reason why yeah. I don't wear a whoop band and I don't recommend them to people was, um, I was consistently wearing the whoop band for a year and some days I would burn as many as on the, for, for the whoop up to 9,000 calories. And I was yeah. eating 3000 calories. So I did that for like two weeks. I was burning like seven to 9,000 eating 3000 and didn't lose a pound on the scale. And you're like, I should have lost 40 pounds. Yeah. And so like at the end of the day, or you're like, okay, is the wearable off or am I, you know, not accurate in how I'm doing, you know? So, I mean, I, I think there's just a lot of variables, but at the end of the day, if you can weigh yourself and weigh the food and have a good idea of the amount of exercise that you're doing, you have a much better chance of getting into that right direction. Yeah. And the wearables are weird and Rob jump in whenever, but I like them for steps and just again, like you can go onto your Garmin app and kind of look at your averages or be like, Oh wow. How did I sleep last night? Crap. Yeah. I was up three times with the baby or, you know, I, I felt really unrested, but I think something, and this could go off on a deep tangent, but we rely so much on wearables and tracking and logging things in my fitness pal and my and train heroic and whatever, like taking the time to actually feel and like, am I hungry? You don't need something to tell you that you didn't sleep well. Right. Like, so sometimes journaling can be more effective than like relying on a watch to tell you <laughs> you slept like shit. If I don't, is that like, yeah. does that make sense? You know? Well, I'll, I'll tell you part of the reason I stopped wearing the watch at night was because it was stressing me the fuck out where like yeah. all of a sudden I'd look and I'm like, I like my kids, I think have something innate within them where they'll wake up and be like, I bet your dad's sound asleep. I'm going to wake him up. <laughs> like my son, this little, I, I love him. Like I could squeeze him just like squeeze him to pieces because I love him so much, but God damn it. He'll come in and be like, I got to go pee pee. Be like, okay. And then be like, can you come with me? And you're like, Oh God. And so there you are at three in the morning and he's like sitting there, like he'll like stand up and like look over his shoulder to make sure you're there. And I'm like, okay, you went all right, good. And they put him back in bed and I'm like, ah, now I, then like the other night I had, um, my one daughter came down and said it was too hot upstairs. So I went upstairs and turned on the AC for her, 
come to realize she had, uh, she, they sleep in bunk beds. She had basically covered all four corners of her bed with flannel um, blankets to like create like the illusion of like her own room. Mm. And then she wondered why it was a hundred degrees in there. I was like, this is the shit I got to deal with. So there I am at two in the morning, ripping out blankets, you know, trying to like create a better environment for her. But yeah, so I'm sure you guys have a million of these, you know, and Sam, you got them all in your future. So yeah, yeah. very exciting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think the, uh, as we're kind of talking about this guy in, in this situation, I think one of the other things beyond um, his potentially overestimating his BMR is that is how closely is he tracking his food? Because typically people can overestimate what they're eating by up to 50%. So, you know, again, if you're kind of not, if you're not losing, you're probably not in a deficit. Mm -hmm. So I would also look there too. Like, are you, are you tracking things as specifically as you think you are? Um, and I think, uh, what Sam was saying earlier too, about being, being in tune with yourself, right? Am I hungry? Uh, am I, am I full? Those types of things are, are things that are super important. And I think judging by some more information from, from this person too, it seems like he's been kind of up and down over the last several months. And uh, his body just probably needs a break from some of that to, to reset some of these things to understand hunger, understand fullness, uh, and and to really kind of figure out is is he really where he, he thinks he is? I think. And to paint a picture of the training, we got, we got to pause after Rob just to I guess let Zoom dial in. Rob, future, if you got headphones. Yeah, maybe we okay. throw that off. Okay. To Travis, three, two. To paint the picture of training, we mentioned this is a third monkey athlete, and this is about 60 minutes of physical activity with an extensive trunk warm up, probably 10 to 15 minutes, and then a couple strength series. Mm-hmm. So, good 30 minutes of BFR, internal BFR induce some strengths ranging anywhere from, I mean, 35 up to 135 pound primal movements, and then some classic bodybuilding with cinder blocks. That's just third monkey style. So sure. good 60 plus 70 minute workout, a good pump, but yeah. fitness for sure versus any formal barbell strength and hypertrophy work. Well, you know, um, if you look at, um, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, calories burned and they, they've done some pretty fascinating studies when they look at like lifting heavy weights and the extension of like, you know, what that does to your metabolism over time, uh, you know, being able to go out and be able to have a kind of a mix and, you know, be able to develop some stuff on an aerobic base. And I always think it's funny whenever people ask me like, uh, and there's a, there's a, a funny, uh, advertisement on YouTube for the dude. It's like, Cardio doesn't burn fat. It burns calories. Oh, I get that one. Oh, I hate that guy. Uh, so douchey. Well, um, he's on the podcast next week, John. Yeah, well, he's, he's great. We love him now. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, but like that's, uh, yeah, no shit. Cardio doesn't burn fat, but we know that it's help. It's helpful to get you into caloric deficit. So I remember, uh, you know, years ago talking to Dr. Tom about this and he's like, if you could accurately figure out somebody's, you know, BMR, you know, basal metabolic rate, and then allow them to train into that deficit, it's pretty easy to get people into shape. The problem is it's so hard to pinpoint the BMR 
uh, without, you know, uh, pretty extensive tooling for it, you know, like the, the breath machine and some of the other stuff. So there's just not really a good calculator, a good way to know. But for our individual, if he, one, he's higher than Willie Nelson. If he thinks that at 210 pounds, his BMR is 3,100 calories. I'm just telling you, there's no fucking way. Uh, so he's probably about a BMR of somewhere around maybe 1800 calories. And I bet you if he were to eat 1800 calories and then do his training into it, he would probably see the results he's looking for. But unfortunately, he's probably going to be real hungry, um, which that was another one. And I remember uh, I've only met one client who was able to lean out and get shredded without ever being hungry. So, I mean, every, every person I've ever worked with where they got really shredded were like, no, I was hungry. I was hungry a lot. And I just had to kind of either drink some water or just deal with it or drink iced tea or find a way to kind of curb the hunger. Break but the air. yeah, like, you know, and it's, it's kind of interesting that people are like, oh, I want to lose weight, but I don't ever want to be hungry. I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to be strong, but I never want to lift heavy weights. Like, you know, I'm, you know. I think one other thing about this uh, particular situation, I think it's pretty common too, is that uh, he kind of mentions about maybe not being as strict on Saturday and Sunday. And I think the the weekends are killers for people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of this, uh, you know, this magical place where food doesn't count and calories don't count on the weekend and, and, and alcohol doesn't count. And, your lattes don't count and all these things. So I think if when someone is really trying to lose weight and they do really want to cut, then they, they do have to be aware that the weekends are count too, and that you do have to keep things on the up and up on a Saturday night and Sunday night. If you really want to make that, that effort. And it's, it's just, it's not a magical place that nothing counts. So do you think that, um, somebody can derail their whole, like, let's say they were good trained, monitor the calories, everything for five days, and then just completely fuck off on the weekend can destroy all their progress over the course of that week. Absolutely. Wow. So that's probably pretty accurate. And how does that set them up? Like we understand the, the term hangover, but is there like a food hangover? that translates into the following uh, week? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, the other trick that I told people, uh, you know, especially when I've worked with people that were trying to get shredded and leaned out, I told them like, dude, if you're going to drink alcohol, one drink and don't have food near it. Cause the problem is you have one drink and all of a sudden you're inhibition. You're like, yeah, I'm going to have some wings and I'm going to eat all these chips. It and tastes so good when it hits your yeah, lips. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I'm going to eat all this queso. And like, uh, next thing you know, you're like 4,000 calories deep on drinks, margaritas, uh, you know, chips, queso, and like a burrito. And you're like, I can't believe I didn't lose any weight this week. And you're like, well, you were losing weight. And then you totally fucking exploded it by making some really interesting decisions that you probably wouldn't make if you hadn't had that first drink. So alcohol and bad decisions go hand in hand as they should. Yeah, they do. He he mentions one thing that I'm interested in learning more about. I don't feel so he's 25% dietary fat and then quote, I don't feel great on too much. Uh, You know what? That's a pretty interesting thing. Um, I've uh, Paul Carter, for example, when we Uh were up hanging out with Paul Carter, which we just launched his podcast. He's a guy that doesn't do well. He's like, I just don't do well on a lot of dietary fat. I tend to do better on lower fat, higher carb diets. And so I I think there was a really interesting thing where, um, you know, and this was probably, 
you know, started in maybe 2007, 2008, where all of a sudden there was this idea that, you know, carbs are evil, you know, and it's like, you know, everybody was on a low carb, higher fat diet. And I'll tell you this, uh, none of the research supports like all things being equal. The outcomes are pretty similar when you look at like total caloric load between low carb, high carb. Um, it just comes down to what you can adhere to. And if you can stay in caloric deficit, you tend to get there. And I, I, I kind of always hoped that there was just like some magical macronutrient that didn't make you have to worry about total caloric load. Like I'll eat low carb, but I can still eat the same amount of calories and I'll be shredded. And unfortunately that magic isn't there because like we said, nutrition isn't magic. It's probably a lot more math than just consistency. But I, mm-hmm. I, I think Robbie brought up a great point that, that somebody's weekend bender or, Hey, I'm going to go out and I've worked good five days. And now Sam brought it up. Now all of a sudden I feel entitled. I feel like this is owed to me that I can go out and do this next thing, you know, derails it. And how many times do you guys see that with your clients and being like, Hey, we were making great progress. What happened? Oh, I went out and had a few mimosas. And next thing you know, we had a huge brunch and now all of a sudden I'm totally off the wagon. Yeah. A lot actually <laughs> it happens a lot. It happens a lot. And then it, people feel guilty and then they're stressed and then it's hard to jump back in. And they, it almost feels like when they're talking to me and Rob that they're um, apologizing, like a kid that stayed out too late or stayed out past curfew. And at the end of the day, you know, Hey, I'm here to help you. We're here to support you. We're not here to parent you, but you're also not going to get the results you want. If you keep justifying extreme behaviors, you know, um, or save it all up for one meal. So if you like, you can save your calories and macros for one meal. So if you know, like, Hey, I've been feeling pretty depleted during the week. I just want, I don't know, Thai food, or <laughs> I don't know why that's the first thing to come into my mind. Uh, like, I love Thai food. I uh, Reese, like, I, I, like as soon as you said Thai food, I was like, yes, Reese Reese's puffs, just throwing that out there randomly. Uh, so yeah, you know, like I'm going to eat half a box of the family size Reese's and don't puffs. fucking judge me. You sons of bitches. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, that's a pretty good strategy. Like if like, let's say you've been great over the course of like Monday through Friday and Saturday night you're going out. Does it make sense to be like, I'm going to get up and work out and maybe I'm going to fast. And then, Hey, if I got 2000 calories, I'm just going to go ham and eat them in that one meal. And that way I can still stay under my caloric deficit. I, yeah, I, th- I support. Oh. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. Cause that's exactly what I do. Like, I'm like, fuck it. I'm just not going to eat on Saturday. And then we're going to go out and smash it on Saturday night. It's like a financial budget, right? I mean, you've, you've got a, you've got a plan for it, right? I mean, if you are, you can't, you can't, uh, you have to plan for things. You have to know you're going to do these things. You can't just off the cuff go, Hey, I'm going to go have Mexican food. But you know, my, the rest of my meals were the same as they were Monday. You know, my breakfast was the same as it was Friday. My lunch was the same as it was Friday, but my dinner wasn't the same. I went crazy on Mexican food, but it, it's a financial budget. You got to take it from somewhere. If you plan for it, then you're, then you're going to be okay. Right. And it's like one meal won't kill you as long as you plan for it. It's just, if you have it in the context of the other meals as well, like if you're, if everything else is the same, you eat the same things uh, for breakfast and lunch, but your dinners go crazy, then you, you've just increased what you've what you're trying not to do, right? You, you, and sometimes going out to Mexican food or pizza or whatever, you're doubling and tripling what you're supposed to eat in a day. What are, what are, what are some dangers? What are some dangers of drastic reactions? So we, we put value on preparing and John, uh, 
excuse me, Rob, you have your, your food prep blog on powerthehq.com. Mm. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. What are some drastic measures that people now should avoid that they didn't prepare? Oh, crap. I went to Mexican food, Modelo's and enchiladas galore. Well, what are some drastic things that they need now to avoid? Well, to I'll, make tell, up? I'll tell you this. And from, from my point of view, where people fuck themselves is on carbs. Um, yeah. So if you're going to overeat something, overeat protein. So they've done some really amazing protein refeeding studies where they've taken people uh, that were, you know, um, you know, like fed them a certain amount, had a pretty consistent and then overfed them protein. And actually, those people have lost weight the next day. So protein has a thermogenic effect. So if you're going to go smash something and you want to like eat extra or you're going to you know, go out and go ham. Order like the 40 ounce steak instead of the 20 ounce steak opposed from like the whole bunch of bread or maybe a bunch of drinks. So I always recommend to people, if you want to overeat on something, overeat on the protein piece. But unfortunately, like who wants, I mean, I, I would gladly eat that monster steak, but also you put a big bowl of chips out there to the point where if you're going to put chips down, I'm like, just take these motherfuckers or put them at the other end of the table where the kids are. Cause I'm not eating. Like, I don't want to even be close to these things because I have one chip. I want to eat the whole bag. True. It's true. Well, so now, okay, we went to Verde's. John and I got this big ass pork chop. We avoided so the good. chips, but still we were in excess. Do we want to fast on Sunday now? Like what are some things that we can take action intelligently following a well, bender? Uh, I think the, I, I think the interesting one, assuming that you don't have really shitty sleep or how to, you know, whatever it looks like, I think you got to get up and weigh yourself the next day. If like, let's say, for example, you're like, hey, I was great Monday through Friday. I decide to like fast on Saturday and then I'm going to go out and smash it. I think you get up Sunday morning, use the toilet first, you know, <laughs> empty your body of whatever you got in it and then step on the scale and see where that number is. You might marry well, might be the same. You might be down or you might be in a situation where you're all the way up and you're like, well, shit. Now that I get myself into a problem now, what, how do I correct this thing? And I think also that's a really good stamp for you to be like, well, shit, I know how that turned out. So next Saturday night, I know exactly how this is going to go for Sunday morning. So having a little bit of that accountability and the next thing you know, you got to talk to Rob and Sam and be like, oh, I had 400 chips at Mexican food. Now all of a sudden I'm up four pounds, yeah. you know? Believe me, I, I wish I could say that my weight gain was from chips, fucking pea protein. And the thing that I'm so upset about <laughs> is I fucking hate pea protein. At least I'd be like, oh, man, I ate all this Mexican food and we had pizza and it was amazing and I gained weight. I'd be OK with it. But to say I feel bloated from pea protein is fucking embarrassing. <laughs> I think to add on to that is uh, get right back to your plan. So whatever you're if you know, if you are planning on. If you if your plan is to cut, then you, you get back you get back on the horse and you as soon as possible. Um, I think sometimes that people will, especially if it happens. I think I think y'all talked about this uh, around the holidays too. Like if, when the holidays on a Thursday, it just becomes like this you know slippery slope. It becomes Thursday through Sunday that you're on the feed bag. So the same thing can happen if you're, if you're out of control thing happens on Friday, then your whole weekend goes off the rails. So what you want to try to do is get right back on the horse, get right back on your plan as soon as possible. So have, yeah, a, have a plan. Sunday, Sunday morning, you might wake up and not even be hungry, right? So don't force food, especially, well, if you're bulking, you might have to, but if you're leaning out, trying to lose weight. Don't force yourself to eat. So like, 
maybe that day, the day after you focus on protein and cut back on carbs or something like you might be even below the caloric goal because you're so, because you feel full from the night before, if that makes sense. Don't force feed yourself if you're trying to lose weight. I got a general question. Often I overeat, but then on the next morning I am, my stomach is growling. I am hungry. You throw up? No. You binge and purge? It's way, it's, it's a great way to lose a few pounds for a big trap. One thing I, one problem I don't have <laughs> Zoolander is that, but like certainly overeat. And then on the morning I am growling. Uh, but that usually your overeating is coming from actually drinking as well. So oh, I'm definitely over consuming, but I, I know if I go out drinking uh, and I overeat the next morning, I'm hungry opposed if I don't drink. But yeah, what is that? Um, uh, I don't know. Big hole in your stomach. I don't know. Uh, I also think it's your body's desire to somehow get something in your stomach. That is nutritious. <laughs> <laughs> I I think like, I mean, as you guys have, everybody on this podcast and probably everybody listening over the age of 18 or 21, uh, there's kind of two types of hangovers. Can you wake up and you're like, man, I really need to eat something. And then there's the other hangovers where you wake up and you're like, I don't need to eat for two weeks. I'm going to fucking die. (laughs) Um, You probably are, you know, have conditioned yourself to slam about a dozen Modellos. So that's probably pretty accurate for you. Uh Uh-huh. It's conditioning. Yeah. That's my training, John. (laughs) When, uh, when your clients come to you guys, especially like on the performance and some of the custom stuff, is it something where you guys start with like kind of a, a set approach and then you start try trading carbohydrates, fats, and you know, kind of protein, probably pretty consistent, but based off of not only the progression, but kind of the taste for people. Yeah. I had a super, uh, fun performance protocol a couple months ago now, and she's a, uh, ninja american ninja warrior so like she actually has like submitted the videos and she's a badass um she's out of kansas city uh and she was really fun because she works out two times a week um works with tim cummings another power athlete uh block one coach for some pt stuff and so like she had two day workouts she's a personal trainer just high energy she was sitting at oh gosh i forget her body fat it was like 16% 16% body fat, 15. Um, so just super lean lady. And, um, so I gave her like four different scenarios of day, right? Like rest day, um, just a PT session. If you have training and PT, if you just have training, if it's a strength day, cardio day. So it was really fun to kind of peel back the layers for her and give her like multiple approaches to her nutrition. Um, where some people don't need that. Um, most people <laughs> don't need that. Like you need maybe, Hey, a heavy day, a light day recovery day, or just a heavy day and a light day. And you're pretty, you you will see changes, but, um, when it comes to performance and maintaining strength and endurance and being able to be with it all of the time, like she had four different scenarios of day, which was fun. <laughs> I think where people forget too, is uh, a woman who's, you know, somewhere between 12 and 14, 16% is usually pretty jacked. Yeah. Uh, she was. Yeah, like cool. I I know when Kate was like ten percent body fat, dude, she was shredded. I was like, oh my god, and she's like, I, I she's like, I can't believe I was ten percent body fat. I'm like, I can't believe you're ten percent body fat. Like, I mean, for for a woman uh, to be that lean, it's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, that's why when you hear people be like, oh, I was four percent, I'm like, no, that's you're not. Like at that point, you're. But you imagine it would be like hungry and real angry because normally when you're that lean, you're fucking pissed off all the time because you're hungry. Uh-huh. 
And you don't get to go and smash modelos in Mexican food. Well, you can watch me do it. <laughs> get fall off smells. Oh, like God. oh man. So, um, if people have more questions or they want to get in touch with you guys, what is the best way to reach out? Email, email. for me. Um, so my power athlete email is Samantha Flaherty at powerathletehq.com. And then Rob and I share an email, which is nutrition at powerathletehq.com. Um, but I check that every day. Um, so that's the best way for me. Okay. Rob for you. Same for me. Uh, Rob X line at powerathletehq.com. Great. Yeah. We'll put your emails in the show notes and then we'll also list out your social media as well. If they want to kind of hit you and follow you and go from there. Yes. And the, as reference to educate yourself, these two coaches do an amazing job empowering our readers. So check out powerathletehq.com backslash blog for a lot of the articles by Sam and Rob, plus some training info for coaches and some dope recipes. Oh yeah. I love Sam's recipes. I, uh, I'm dude, I always get excited to read them. It's funny because people are like, Oh, you guys have some recipes on there. I'm like, yeah, as you should. Cause as, <laughs> as a human who eats, it's always nice to get some ideas, kind of like doing some other people's programs, going out to a restaurant. Well, you know, I can't really do it when you go out to a restaurant. Cause you're like, there's no way I'm replicating that. But no, Sam, you put out some kick-ass recipes. I'm definitely impressed. So uh-huh. those guys, yeah, check those out. Powerathletehq.com backslash and blog. What I enjoy power athlete nation is when you try these recipes at home and, and then, then you tag, tag us. us and then we repost and then I can believe that I can do it too. Uh, dude, I get uh, not as much as I used to, but there'll be probably every couple of months I usually get a wagon's wheel uh-huh. and it's usually Ingo. My favorite hashtag <laughs> follow is not Jack Street feels strong. Serves that. One? It serves one. Yeah. 100%. So serves and the number one hashtag, please follow it on Instagram. It's amazing. Yeah. It's been good. All right. Well, thank you, Power Athlete Nation, for joining us on another episode of the Premier Podcast of Strength Conditioning, aka Power Athlete Radio. Bye. 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 Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!